It says, Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag. Now remember, David uh, went after the Amalekites because they had just burned their town, Ziklag. So David went down and recovered everything. That's recorded for us in chapter 30 of, of 1 Samuel. So while David was battling and overcoming the Amalekites, the Israelites under Saul, they were being beaten badly by the Philistines up north. So these two battles are going on concurrently. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As we begin the book of 2 Samuel, we learn that although David still lived among the Philistines, he was a changed man since his heartbreaking circumstances and since strengthening himself in the Lord. After defeating the Amalekites and returning to Ziklag, he knew the battle between the Philistines and the Israelites just ended, and a man from Saul's camp came to David with the bad news of Saul and his sons being dead. Today we learn what happened when David receives this news. Now let's join Pastor Rob with the beginning of the book of 2 Samuel. Now we're starting this second book of Samuel. We've already looked at the book of 1 Samuel. And there is a tradition has it that Samuel wrote or penned this book, meaning 1 Samuel. But you remember in the 25th chapter of 1 Samuel that Samuel died. He passed away. So whoever it was that picked up the mantle after him and continued the book, because after he dies, we finally, you know, we hear about Saul, um, you know, consulting the medium and, and certainly David's, uh, some of David's things with the uh, Philistines. And so somebody had to pick up the, the torch after that and, 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 write, and run with it. And we, we get a hint of who that might be in First Chronicles um, you might want to just at the top of your Bible in in First Samuel or Second Samuel, you might want to just write this because you know after Samuel died, who who penned this? And so we got a clue in First Chronicles chapter twenty nine, verse twenty nine. First Chronicles twenty nine, verse twenty nine. Let me read uh, it to you. It says, uh, "Let me back up to verse twenty six. Says David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel, and he reigned." And the period that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. So he died in a good old age, full of days and riches and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his place. And then in verse 29 it says, Now the acts of King David, first and last, indeed they are written in the book of Samuel, the seer, in the book of Nathan, the prophet, and in the book of Gad, the seer, with all his 
reign and his might and the events that happened to him, to Israel and to all the kingdoms of the lands. So we believe that probably one of these gentlemen either continued, there may be uh, somebody else who continued, uh, but either way, uh, Samuel passes from the scene and we get into this, uh, this wonderful book, uh, between First and Second Samuel, between those two books, it really spans a history of about 135 years, from the from the very birth of of Samuel, which was 1105 BC, to David's death, which was around 971 BC. So it spans about 135 years. This book of Second Samuel really speaks concerning David's life, because remember, First Samuel talked really about Samuel. And then uh, Saul, the Israel's first king, and then David was kind of like dovetailing, um, you know, Saul's reign. And then finally, Saul passes from the scene in chapter 31 of the last chapter we looked at in 1 Samuel. And now David, this whole entire chapter, or book, excuse me, is really devoted to David's beginnings and all the things that he went through. And it's going to be a remarkable study. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. The book begins with the death of Saul and ends with the death of David. Because remember, uh, last week when we finished up 1 Samuel chapter 31, the very last chapter, we saw Saul's death and his sons. And so the second book opens up with the death of Saul. And finally, it ends with the death of of, of David himself. But in this book, we're going to see a number of things. First off, we're going to see David becoming king first over Judah in Hebron, where he reigned for seven and a half years. And then ultimately, he's going to reign all over Israel, the entire uh, country. We're going to see David capturing Zion, or the Canaanite city of Jabus, which is uh, what we would call uh, Jerusalem today. It was called Jabus before. And we know that Joab, his, uh, his uh, nephew, actually conquered that city and uh, got it for David. We're going to see David's uh, or God's covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7. We're going to see many wars with surrounding neighbors and David's victories that he had uh, accomplished during that time. We're also going to see one of David's low points in chapter 11 and 12 where we see him uh, having an affair with Bathsheba and ultimately killing her husband Uriah to cover up the baby that was in her womb. And this is certainly uh, one of those points in the book of Second Samuel that uh, many of us would like to forget, and I'm sure David would like to forget, but it's a very real uh, thing that happened in his life. So we'll look at that. We'll also see the birth of Solomon taking place in this chapter. And then David's family woes and the treachery of his son Absalom as he seeks to overthrow his father's kingdom. We'll see David leaving Jerusalem as Absalom is coming into Jerusalem. And ultimately we'll see the death of Absalom and the restoring of the kingdom to David. And then finally the book ends with David making some really rash uh, things by calling a census. Uh, that was um, something he did out of pride and self-centeredness, and a plague broke out, and we'll read that as well. But, you know, most people think that the, the second book of Samuel is really all about David and his failures, because that, that seems to be the hinging point in the, in the book, but 
The, the real themes in this book are really national unity and restoration. Remember when Saul was king, there was really no unity. Everything was kind of disjointed. And Saul, because of his rebellion, he wasn't a very good king. And so there was really nothing happening to really cause the nation to come together in a real unified force, in a unified way. And David is going to bring that about and it's also, it speaks of David's uh, restoration after his sin, that even though he had sinned, and it's a sin that maybe many of us haven't committed and maybe never will, but David, we know, is in heaven. And how can we know that? Because David repented of his sin, and there's the difference between him and Saul. Remember, Saul's life was really marked by rebellion, but David, when he made the mistake, when he sinned, he eventually, he owned, he owned it. He owned up to it, and God forgave him. And there's the difference between a man of God and a man who is not of God. A man of God will fall seven times and ask God to forgive him and get back up again. And that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to stay in the pit. And so that's what David did. And that's why God could call David a man after his own heart. That's why he was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. Because he was a, he was a man who loved the Lord. And he had his failings, as, as we all do. We all have failings. Anybody here not have a failing? Raise your hand so we can put candles next to you. And we'll all put a little, put a little piece of carpet next in front of you, and we'll all kneel before you. No, there's nobody, right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the truth. And we're also going to, one of the themes in this is the restoration of the throne uh, after Absalom had attempted the coup on David's life and the kingdom. And so it's really not only about David, but it's really about the country. It's about the nation of Israel. God's restoring and, and unifying power through David in spite of his strengths, in spite of his weaknesses. God shows his hand to be strong through this man. And in fact, when he inherits the kingdom from Saul... The country is a tattered mess and disjointed, but when he, when he finally leaves this earth and goes to glory, Israel is going to be unified and it's going to be a great empire. And the army and everything, the, 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 the structure of the worship in the, in, the, in the house of God, all of those things are going to be solid and, and, and in order and David was the one to do that. And, that. and God knew that. God was going to accomplish that to David. He was a faithful man. In fact, all other kings, if you'll notice as you read through First and Second Kings, especially re, re, um, comparing them to, um, well, they would compare all the kings to David. You know, the king was a good king, and like, like his father David. Or they would say that this king wasn't like his father David, which means he, was, he wasn't a faithful king. But the, 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 the foundation, the, the benchmark, if you will, was David. Because he was one of Israel's greatest king. And under him, the Lord did so many wonderful things. And so this first chapter is really, really a transitional chapter. Because we don't see him getting anointed, uh, finally, to be king. At, in the, and when we get to chapter 2, it's been some close to 15 years since the time that Samuel had anointed him. And so he first reigns over Hebron. But chapter 1 of, the, of this book is going to be really a transition period. We're going to see that. And so have you ever been through, 
You know, most of us have been through transitions in our life. We've, you know, maybe it's been a, an end of an era for you. Um, maybe an end of a long-standing job that you've had. Maybe it's, it's the end of, hopefully not, but maybe the end of a marriage. There's some watershed moment in your life where there is an end to something, and then there's the beginning of something else. And sometimes in between the, the end of something and the beginning of something else, there's this intermediate period that you seem kind of like in limbo, where you're just kind of questioning things. You don't really know where you fit in, what's going on with your life. Have you ever been there? I've been there, and I imagine that we've all been there at different times, or, and we'll be there again. Times when one era, something in our life ends and something begins, and then there's a period where we're just unsure about what the Lord is doing. And David, we saw that when, if you remember in the last book, we saw at the very end that while the Israelites were fighting up in Aphek in the north, while the Israelites were fighting the Philistines, David, remember, was booted out by the Philistine king of Gath, Achish. He told him to go back down to Ziklag because... The lords of the Philistines didn't want David and his 600 men going to war with, against his own people. Even though Achish trusted him for some reason, the other lord says, you know what, we don't trust this guy. We're going to get in battle and he's going to turn against us and he will ingratiate himself to the king again. And so they kicked him out. So he went further. He went 80 miles down south to the place where Achish gave him the, the town of Ziklag. And then he gets back there, and you remember that the Amalekites had come up from the south of Judah and raided Ziklag, and not only took David and his wife and his whole family captive, but also all the other men, their women, their children, everything, all their livestock, basically just took everything away. And David and them get there, and they realize that everything is gone. Everything is gone. And then... They go and they attack the Amalekites down in the south, and they recover every single thing, all the people. And he brought back all the livestock. They come back into Ziklag, and they were there for about three days. And then a young man comes, and and this is where we're going to pick up right now. And so let's just read it. We're going to look at the first 16 verses, and then we're going to go back and look at it. So it says that, Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites... And David had stayed two days in Ziklag. Notice, on the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. And so it was, when he came to David, that he fell on the ground and he prostrated himself. And David said to him, Where have you come from? And so he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And then David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. And so David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? And then the young man who told him said, As I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called out to me. And I said, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? And I answered, I said, I am an Amalekite. And he said to him again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. 
So I stood over him and I killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Therefore David took hold of his own clothes and he tore them, and, he did, and, and so did all the men who were with him. And notice, they mourned and wept, and they fasted until evening for Saul, for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And then David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. And so David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. And so David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And the rest of the chapter is really a lament or an elegy, if you will, of Jonathan and Saul. And we're going to look at that uh, as well tonight. But let's go back to verse 1 here. It says, Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag. Now remember, David uh, went after the Amalekites because they had just burned their town, Ziklag. So David went down and recovered everything. That's recorded for us in chapter 30 of, of 1 Samuel. So while David was battling and overcoming the Amalekites, the Israelites under Saul, they were being beaten badly by the Philistines up north. So these two battles are going on concurrently. While Saul and the Israelites are battling against the Philistines up north, David is down here taking care of business. And they didn't have Twitter, and they didn't have messages, and they didn't have texting back then. And it took an awful long time for, for word to get around. It took some time because the, you know it was only by word of mouth. And so David you know, didn't know what was happening up north. He knew that the battle was going on, but he certainly had no idea. He thought that, you know, maybe Saul and his men were were doing a really great job. But we know that Saul and his sons, they die on Mount Gilboa. His sons were Jonathan, who we know was David's best friend. There was Abinadab and Mekishua. And the last son of Saul is not mentioned going to battle. His name was Ishbosheth, and his name literally means man of shame. And I almost wonder, it's kind of interesting that he wasn't in the battle with his brothers. Why wasn't he defending his father? Maybe he was too young. We really don't know why he wasn't there. But he wasn't there. But this last son, Ishbosheth, was still alive. And notice in verse 2, it says, On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. That's the way they would show, as you know, uh, uh, remorse or heartache. The Jews and even uh, other cultures, they would tear their clothes or they would throw dust on their heads. They would look disheveled. They would do that as as a means of showing that they're mourning. And so on the third day, while... David and his men are back in Ziklag. This man comes. And so it was when he came to David that he fell on the ground and prostrated himself. And I think that, you know, when you underline the third day, and not to make a big deal out of this, but whenever you see the third day in Scripture, sometimes you see some, something significant. 
What else happened on the third day that was so significant? (laughs) We know that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And I find it interesting that on the third day, as David was delivered, if you will, from his running from Saul for his life, as he was delivered from death, in a sense, on the third day, you know, a couple thousand years down the road, or uh, actually a thousand or so years, uh, a, th- a thousand and some odd years later, who would rise on the third day? It would be Jesus, rising from the grave, just, just as David now is, in a sense, having the second lease on life now that Saul was dead. And so David said to him, where have you come from? And he said to him, I've escaped from the camp of Israel. And then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And, and so we read this earlier. You know, they, the people fled from the battle, and Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. And David asked him in verse 5, how do, you, how do you know this for sure? How do you know this? And the young man said, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed, the chariots were following after him, and, and we read this. He said, here I am, and, he, and Saul, verse 9, asked him to stand over him and kill him because if the Philistines had gotten a hold of Saul, he would have been like a trophy for them. And they would have tortured him, they would have mutilated him, they would have made sport of him. And in fact, that's what they did after he died. They pinned his body up on the wall in Beth Shan, which is also called... Um, I forgot what it was called, but it's okay. <laughs> it was called Bethshan. <laughs> and so, verse 10, it says, So he stood over him and killed him, because he knew as he looked at Saul, you know, because it told us in the last chapter of First Samuel that Saul fell on his spear, because, or fell on his sword, because he didn't want to be humiliated by the Philistines. And he was already hit with a couple of arrows. He knew he was going to die. So he's like, I'm just going to take my own life. And, um, and so this Amalekite evidently comes afterwards. He sees him like that, and so he does. He follows through with it. He kills him. He takes off his crown on his head and his bracelet on his arm, and he brought them to David. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you see anything different with this man's account from that of 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 through 6? <laughs> We're going to look at it, because there are three accounts of this of Saul's death. The first one is what we read last week in 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 through 6. The second account of this death of Saul, or of Saul and his sons is what we just read here, the Amalekite version of it. We also see in 1 Chronicles chapter 10 the very same story that was told to us in 1 Samuel 31. So there seems to be a discrepancy here with what the Amalekite is saying. Let's read 1 Samuel 31, verse 1 through 6. Just turn back a page and let's just look at that and just be thinking about it, about what we just read concerning the Amalekite's version of the story. It says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, Melchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle became fierce against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor-bearer, you remember this, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. 
But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. And therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons, his armor bearer and all his men died together. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.